Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Goedendag, goedendag, goedendag. That's bonjour, bonjour, bonjour for you guys. We are in Belgium in a Flemish part. Welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, remember that before we start, you can download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on sbssbs.com.au slash cycling central or log in a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Joining me in Belgium, Dave McKenzie. You're here, we're here. You dragged us to Ghent. What a great place. It was, but then that dribble just came out of your mouth at the start, Ben. I thought, what was that? And by the way, I don't speak a word of Flemish. I do understand a bit, but you tried your best. I'll give you that. For a Frenchman, that's pretty good. I've always been a trier. I've always been a trier. Uh, with us, we are on a terrace in Ghent. We've got Scott Sunderland. Hi, Scott. How are you? Good day. There's a man who says it really well. I feel ashamed. Uh, <laughs> Scott, thank you for, for welcoming us uh, here in your home. Uh, Ghent is a place you love and cherish. You chose it as a place to live. It's an amazing city. Yeah, it is a beautiful city. It's uh, probably the capital of the you know East Flanders uh, of Belgium. Um, you know, we've got the biggest cities of, of Brussels and Antwerpen, of course. Um, but yeah, Ghent is, is lovely. It's a university city, medical um, a city, and um, a lot of youth. And um, fantastic ride. And from here, you can go everywhere. It's a uh, yeah, bike riders' dream. Absolutely. Uh, quick question, because the tour doesn't come anywhere near Ghent. We start in Brussels. But what does that mean for Belgium to have the start of the Tour de France, especially in a year where Eddie Merckx, you know Eddie Merckx personally, Eddie Merckx's 50th uh, anniversary of his first uh, win at the Tour de France. What does that mean for Belgium? Uh, it's you know, cycling has been a, a huge uh, part of the cycling um, the culture and sporting culture of, of Europe, uh, of Belgium and um, Eddie Merckx has been a big part of it you know, with the Vlamic and Gordefrit and uh, so many others before them uh, the Belgians always done uh, very well in the tour uh, done very well in the classics and duo and, and um, uh, you know Freddie Martin's 18 stage wins in the Walter way back in the day um, and multiple world champions so cycling is you know equal to football or soccer uh, as a national uh, sport and um, to have a, the Tour de France back in uh, Brussels is yeah, it's amazing and it's going to be a huge uh, weekend I tell you. I think we are all expecting something very large. Maka? Right, I'm excited because uh, you know I spent quite a few years racing and living in Ghent and actually this is where Scotty and I, I first met Scotty, one of my heroes I was explaining to you earlier you were like Scotty. You were like the the younger. You were the youngest of that generation that I grew up watching. Uh, Phil Anderson, Alan Piper, all these guys who you know well, Hodgie, Steve-O, and you were like the young guy. And then I I met Scotty. Uh, actually, you were living in a place called Zottingham. So you've sort of defected to Ghent because where does your allegiance lie? Because I was explaining to Christoph, you go thirty kilometres south, it's French speaking. You go thirty kilometres north, we've got the Dutch border and a different dialect. So, I mean, well, you know, where did, you've, you've moved into Ghent. I mean, I must say, well done. You've finally moved into the best city in the, in the Flanders region. Yeah, look, um, my first port of call when I came out at 19 was uh, Geneva, believe it or not, in Switzerland. And, um, you know, boy, did I wish I'd uh, paid attention to those French classes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my first pro team was with uh, TVM in the day, and it was Dutch speaking, and uh, I stayed for another year on in, in, in Switzerland. So, you know, because 
French and, and so forth and and the connections I had there in training. Uh, but then, you know, through coming up to the races in my first year pro, I um, got to know Belgium more, and I said, yeah, this is great. You can actually watch TV without subtitles and watch it in the original version, <laughs> go to the cinema and see it in the original version instead of watching it dubbed in poor French, you know. <laughs> Not that i got anything against that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, actually, I agree with you. It's terrible. <laughs> so it was very, uh, very interesting to come up here, and then, of course, you know, a few years later, I met my wife, and... Um, Hence, uh, learnt Flemish and uh, or Dutch, and uh, yeah, the way of living here has just been fantastic. Uh, so just a quick question here: like, we've been here a couple of days, and as a country, Belgium is also francophone. They speak French in some parts. They don't understand me here. If I go French or English, they go English is better. English is better, really? Well, when I first came up, because my French was my first language, so in having four years of speaking French and uh, learning the good dialect from Montpellier, from my sports director. Um, <laughs> My wife's mother went to a French nun school. So the best way, because I didn't speak Flemish, was to charm the in-laws, was to speak French. <laughs> so I did it very successfully until sometimes I, I dropped a few words here and there which were not acceptable in Belgium, but were acceptable in the south of France. Uh, but yeah, look, generally I was able to charm her to be the number, number one uh, son-in-law. And so digressing a bit now, I mean, obviously we're here for the Tour de France, and, and we'll touch on that a bit more, but... You've had a pretty big year and you've had a big few years. Obviously, you're the race director of the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race. And, well, we'll talk about that because the women's race has just been announced as the first world uh, world tour race of the year for the for the women's race. So that, that's uh, fantastic news. So well done on that. But also, you've become the overarching race director, and correct me if I'm wrong, for Flanders Classics, which includes, obviously, Ronde van Vlaanderen, Flanders, Ghent Wevelgem and I think Het Newsblad. So that's a, it's been a big year for you. Yeah, look, in total it's uh, seven events. Um, and, yeah, it includes, uh, you know, the Omloop Het Newsblad and uh, Ghent Wevelgem, uh, Dorsdorf Vlaanderen, uh, all World Tour races. And then, of course, the Ron van Vlaanderen. And then we have, uh, which will be Pro Series next year, is the Skelder Prize. Uh, that's between Flanders and Roubaix. Uh, it's, it's known as the Sprinters Classic and also the oldest one-day race here in Belgium. Uh, or oldest race in Belgium. Yes, Skelder Prize. Um, and then we have uh, the Brabantse Pearl, which was um, uh, one had a beautiful podium and won by uh, Van der Poel this year. Uh, another great hilly race, and that sort of creates that that migration from the uh, the, the Flemish Ardennes and and the West Flanders right across to uh, to the other side of Brussels, in around the area of, uh, of Leuven uh, and Alsenberg and Overijzer, which is uh, to the east of Brussels, uh, and creates that transition across to the uh, Ardennes Classics for Amstel um, Gold and Liege Western Liege. You're the man to go to for the, the questions about cycling in the region. Uh, we have a question from the audience, because this time at the Tour de France, and I, I remind you that uh, you can send us your question via WhatsApp. We have a link on our uh, Twitter account where we have people actually send us questions and there's a good, interesting question about the state of Belgium cycling. We'll have a listen now. Hi, guys. It's uh, Hugo from the Netherlands. And uh, my question to you is, why are we seeing so little success from Belgian riders over the last decade, two decades even, in, in any of the Grand Tours? Um, you know, a fantastic history of cycling in Belgium. But when it comes to the last 20 years, not much. Um, very different, of course, in cyclocross and, and, and the classics. But, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on this? Any chances for any Belgian riders this year? So that was Hugo from the Netherlands. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Look, um, 
I think it's a little bit the culture as well. The, the, the Belgian culture is really predominantly around the classics. Um, and then when you have two teams which are very strong in the classics, which is a lot of Sudal and, uh, and the Corny Quiz step, um, it makes it sort of, for these young kids, uh, they grow up doing the one-day races. They're not really doing a lot of stage racing unless they're doing international stage racing. They did the short three-day, four-day type things. Um, but this comes down to the make of the rider. I mean... Um, we just sort of haven't had that uh, Eddie Merckx. I mean, we've had some some great riders in the past, you know, like uh, Van den Broek and uh, and a few other uh, riders, which you know I could start rattling them off. But have had success of making the top tens and top fifteens in Grand Tours, but we haven't had in Belgium a, a real uh, definite challenger for that continual top ten. In the last, like as, as Hugo said, the last ten years. I'm not sure it's going to come. Um, I don't like putting tags on people, and I definitely don't like to do it with the young ones. We had a very strong ride from a young rider yesterday, even a pool. Um, but, yeah, look, we just need to give time or tell on these sorts of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I really don't know. I don't have the answers, and I think if you did have the answer, you could bottle that. And uh, uh, But there's some great riders coming through like talent, but I think it just all lies to what the what the individual wants and uh, where the, the attributes lie. But, I mean, the question leads to also another question about the rivalry between the Netherlands, because Hugo is from the Netherlands, so he's slightly having a dig at the... <laughs> I was going to say, is it, is it, I was ask you, is it the Dutch just... He's just having a little jibe at the, at the, at the Belgians. It was funny because, to be honest, the, the Dutchies have had a good run of GC riders, yeah. but they've welcomed Van der Poel now as a classics rider because that's where they've done uh, quite uh, far less than in that, apart from, well, we had um, Nicky Terpster who's been very successful in the, in the one-day classics. Um, but, yeah, I think definitely uh, Holland's got one over Belgium as far as the GC riders. I mean, they've had a great run of that, uh, especially over the last 10 years and, uh, and potentially over the last 15, 20 years. Um, uh, but, look, we'll, we'll see what happens Um and I don't really care, to be honest. I'm more interested in the Aussies doing the G-Sing uh, thing. And I think we actually got a, a few Aussies there who are going to do some big things. But, yeah. going Just going back to your your two roles with Flanders Classics and obviously the Cadell Evans Road Race, big announcement with the, with the women's race getting World Tour status and they will start the season, or the, sorry, the UCI World Tour for the women will start at the Cadell race um i'm probably getting the, the sponsorship naming wrong but we all know the, the women's race that sits alongside the men's and i think importantly and i'll get you to talk about this a little bit equal prize money which is fantastic so where where are we at uh, it's a constant discussion but i like bringing it up because i'm i'm pro i think we've we need to pick up the slack for for females with our sport and i think we are and so where does it sit now, do you think, for the women? Because obviously with Flanders Classics, there's a women's uh, Ronde van Vlaanderen, mm-hmm. women's Kent Wevelgem, Flesh Wallone, all those races, some that you're not involved in. But how do you see, uh, how, how, do they, how is it perceived here and how are they supported? And, you know, will we see equal prize money, do you think, sooner rather than later? Um, well, first of all, with the... Uh Deakin University Elite Women's Road Race. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had equal prize money for a few years already. So when we said equal prize money, uh, when the women's race, uh, Deakin University Elite Women's Road Race was 1.1, they received equal prize money to the men. That's already been happening for three years. Uh, same with the uh, was Towards Zero Race Melbourne, which has now become Towards Zero Race uh, Torquay, which is not a criterium. just wanted to uh, clarify that. It's actually a, a lo- um, lap of 13.3 kilometres around the Tor- Torquay area. 
beautiful uh, lap. Um, so once again, same thing, equal prize money there. Um, we just probably haven't done a good job in promoting that or we haven't it's gone missed. Uh, but definitely with the World Tour, they'll be having an equal prize money to the men. And that's been a big mandate for uh, for Victorian government and uh, in sport and, and Visit Victoria for, for the event. And um, we're, we're happy for it. And as you said, Maka, uh, you know, we've got to play our part for women's sport. I think it's been a long time coming. And um, they do all the hard yards that uh, needs to be done. And uh, the level of professionalism coming from the women's teams, not just the riders, but the women's teams, uh, is, is greatly increasing year by year. And um, we're starting to see that in some exciting, exciting racing. Is it time we have a Paris-Roubaix for women as well? Look, um, potentially, yes. Um, I think that's really an ASO thing. And, and I think... We've probably got to look at the women's racing in two halves, and if I can probably put myself out in the limb here for criticism, um, well, not criticism, but probably put myself out in the limb here there. So it's funny, we go through and do to make sure that we tick all the boxes as far as UCI sanctioning is concerned for doing World Tour, and that means uh, ensuring that we have a 90-minute live broadcast of the women's World Tour races. And I'm not sure ASO is doing that for the Fleshwalone Liege person Liege. It's been debated. Yes, I was, I was, that's a really good point you bring up. And well done because I, I and I just saw something, a snippet, like two days ago, and I didn't get to a chance to read the whole article. I've heard now that they are going to be part of the World Tour. If I, I could be wrong, but I've, I've, there was talk that they weren't going to be. They were pulling out, and there was uproar everywhere. And I was I was retweeting all the uh, some of the female riders who were pretty peeved off about it and fair enough um but also la course which is you know which is like a pretty cheap average version of a women's tour de france they're doing a pretty poor job of that i think aso like i think they can do a lot better do you know we've got 21 days to work with them? <laughs> well, That's we, right. work, we work for SBS. Come on! I know it's a joke. We've got, we've got to have an opinion. <laughs> hey, look, look, we're all we're all in it for the same thing. And and um, look, I'm not having a crack at them, but I'm just you know raising that for for women's cycling uh, and, and for cycling in general. Look, we chose also to do the women's race right from the beginning to do the women's race on a Saturday, uh, not on a Sunday with the men's. And that's so that they can enjoy the whole day to themselves and in the crowds. And it's all about women's cycling. Um, for the Flanders Classics events, we do it on the same day, and that's so they can enjoy all the crowds. And it's a bit of a, a bit of a conundrum for the women uh, peloton uh, and teams is they feel yes, we'd like to be standing alone, but we do enjoy the benefits of being on the same day as the men because of the crowds. And I'm sort of like, that's a bit of a conundrum. Maybe this will build up to be where we have women's racing on Saturdays and men's on Sundays, or vice versa. Who knows? But one thing the Tour has done this year, which it hasn't happened previously with the course, is they're running it on the same day as the men's time trial. So if that will make an impact of bigger crowds in Paul, uh, which I'm going to be going down to, to be there myself, that would be, be interesting to see. So maybe that's a, a step they're going in the right direction there, and possibly they'll be doing you know, a bit of a crossovers to live uh, during the, the men's time trial to the women's. Maybe that might work, I don't know. But it is a circuit race, it's going to be a different course in the La Course this year to what they've done previously. Um, so it's more to the punchier type rider, so it'll be an interesting uh, exercise to see how it goes this year. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Tour de France now. Um, first of all, there's been a, a fair number of so-called favourites that have been dropping off uh, the Tour this year. As an ex-rider, what, what, what do you make of this? What, what's happening Part and parcel, you know, both Mac and I have been on the receiving end of uh, of having bad outcomes in, in preparation for races and or during races. Um, I think it's just a bit of coincidental. You seem to have these years every now and again, um, and, and this is one of them. Um, I think as much as it's really bad for, for Chris and for Tom, 
Dumoulin, Chris Froome and Tom Dumoulin, and even to Geraint Thomas missing the, the, the Tour of Switzerland, which I think he absolutely uh, needed to do mm. to put him up there as a top three uh, definite um, on the podium. Uh, I think he, it's going to leave him with quite a bit of work to do and still can happen, but it makes it difficult. But it does open a door, and I always had this rider penciled in as a top three anyway with the rider who could possibly put Froome and uh, Dumoulin under most pressure, and that's Nibali. Even with the Giro? He's got the age, he's got the knowledge and experience, and he, tactically he's very astute. He's got a good team around him, um, and I think, yeah, he can. he's going to be a big threat. And the other one which I put just a fraction behind him is Buddy. Buddy's ready. If it's not going to happen this year, it's going to be hard for him to, to win that... Uh, win at Tour de France. So these are my two top favourites. Um, it's going to be interesting. Of course, Ineos are a strong team, heaps of resource, heaps of backing. They, you know, they're able to dot all their I's and cross the T's better than anybody uh, because of the financial backing and so forth and support they have. So, yeah, to to keep those guys at bay and, uh, you know, they've got strong lives like Wart uh, Pools and, and these guys, you know, they're going to make uh, a very difficult for everybody. What do you make of the joint leadership at Ineos with Bernard and, uh, and Thomas? 100% agree. You'd be crazy not to do this because um, with Bernard, he's just that little bit too young. Um, third week of the tour, that's a tough, tough week. Uh, Thomas has been there in a supporting role. He knows what the support you need to have as a leader. He knows what how to give that and provide that support. So he can uh, instruct his riders and the team how that, go, how that process works. Where Bernard, he's worked as that sort of uh, rider in support last year, but he every few days they rested him. And then someone else would take the lead on that day, you know. Uh, so that's, that's a big difference. He's got to be on point. If you've got the yellow jersey, you need to be there for all the interviews. You're getting to the hotel later. So you need to manage your efforts really, really well. And Thomas has got that under the belt now. So even though he's coming in probably less prepared, uh, come the third week, he may be the, uh, the one that they need to, to put all the money on. And look, I would do the same. Look what's happened in the last few weeks with everybody crashing out. Why wouldn't you go in with two horses to bet on? And, well, no pressure, Christophe, obviously, but hey, it's net this year or never. He's been, he's been screaming out for a Frenchman. I'm like, nah, I'm not on, like, right. 66 million of people have been screaming out for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't make me right, but. Uh, yeah. No, well, actually, I'll, I'll, give, I'll throw two names at you. Um, Thibaut Pinot, I really like. I think he's, I think he's psychologically got, he's in the right headspace. Mm-hmm. We know he had an issue with his descending a, a few years ago. I thought he was fantastic at the Vuelta. Uh, last year um, and then Richie Port we know he hasn't had a great build up mm-hmm. he's had illness and this and that he, he did start the year quite well and then he got sick and then it's been this playing catch up but gee it's one of those unknowns this year as we've just said with riders crashing out things just might actually come good for him do you think it's possible yeah look uh, Richie's definitely we, we we're talking about winning I think there's fewer riders who got a chance to win to be on the podium. So of obviously the um, uh, the depth of riders for, for podium places grows. And, and I think Richie, he hasn't had the best of transitions. He, he missed a lot of racing last year. He hasn't had a good run this year so far. And I think it's the lack of race days and grand tours over the last year or two years is what's going to hurt him the most in the third week. But to be a podium place is definitely there. And I think he has to be realistic with himself and the team. They would, be, they would sign up now if he could be third on the podium they're fully they're fully committed to him though aren't they because yeah. they left Degen Kolb at home won, a, won that stage into Roubaix last year and I mean we all know the quality of John Degen Kolb so 
they've fully backed him, haven't they? All respect to to John, I think that was a wise decision to leave him home, and I think he's accepted it gracefully. Uh, he just hasn't, to me, shown enough to to take a position of going for third on the, on the Tour de France. And um, I mean, when you invest so much into a guy like Richie Port, and and you know he can do it. Uh, he just needs uh, everything to, to, to fall into place for him. And, um, yeah, third place in the Tour, be on that final podium, will outweigh uh, two or three stage wins. Uh, the question about uh, Caleb Ewan as well. You know, first Tour, he said, we can quote this, he said uh, in different media outlets that he should have already had three Tours under his belt. He's coming in as a rookie. He's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, I guess. He wants to demonstrate at least that he was worthy maybe earlier on. Or I mean, where, where do you think he is? I think it's tough. It has been tough for him. He's, he was in a team that uh, predominantly shifted their, their tact uh, with the Yates brothers um, and so they went towards the GC for the Tour. And, and let's face it, if we look at it on business terms, the Tour de France is, is uh, and overall, GC wearing the yellow jersey or pink jersey like Yates did uh, a few years ago or last year um, in the Giro, that's big publicity. Uh, so if you look in business terms um, that's, and you've got a biz, uh, GC rider, you have to chase that. Unfortunately for Caleb, it's just a bit of a, a turn of affairs and, and him getting taken out at last minute, I think, was not great for him and I don't think it was great for the two, for the team as it turned out. Um, but yeah, he can't ride in frustration with revenge in mind. He needs to just settle himself and say, I'm here and going to make the best of it and there's going to be a lot more to come from Caleb Ewan. Will he get a stage win? I would almost put money on a stage win. I, I think I'd be more dis- or just as disappointed for him if he doesn't get that stage win this year. I tend to agree. I think he, he, he showed enough, didn't he, at the Giro and normally you see that you get a bunch of sprinters go there, do the first 10 days, and he, what, did he knock off two or three? Yeah, two, yeah. two. Two stage wins, yeah. And the team has gone strength to strength. I mean, they've got the full team behind him now at, yeah. the, at the Tour, and the confidence grew by, yeah. I think, from what I heard at the Giro from the team, they all had confidence in him. He just needed to get it for himself personally, yeah. and I think he has that now, and he's in good shape. He picked up a win, uh, although not a big race, the Zion Mil- yeah. Tour, but uh, important victory just to tick the box. Yep, yeah, I'm ready. And then one last question, state of health for Chris Froome. What do you make of where he is at the minute and the extent of the injury? I mean, the obvious question is, will we see Chris Froome coming back? That's a million-dollar question. Uh, but what do you think of it? Look, he's, he's taking some big knocks. Um, and uh, as the reports I've heard is that they kept finding little other small things, underlying things uh, from the major uh, breaks and, and uh, injuries he had. It's going to take some time. It's a big hit to him uh, uh, mentally as well because um, he had his mind set on, on winning the fifth tour. So straight away he's going to think, bugger, have I missed my opportunity to, to get my fifth tour and, and become part of that uh, legendary group uh, of riders there, particularly with Eddie Merckx being in Brussels. But um, being in today's world uh, and what we have with modest medicine and, and, and the science behind it and being in a team like Ineos... You can't get better uh, resources of, of medical teams and, and so forth available to him. Um, so I think we'll see Chris back. Uh, I think he'll come back uh, barring any ongoing uh, problems, uh, as strong as what he has been. Um, but it'll be a hard road for him. Um, but once again, he's got the support and we may or may not see him at the end of the year. Um, I think for him to come back and get claimed that fifth tour next year, he will need to potentially race at the end of the year. Uh, whether it's not of Walter or, or anything else, but he will need to race to make sure he you know, doesn't lose too much because, unfortunately, as you get older, and uh, Macro tests this, is as you get older, you, you lose that race form, and you don't. once you lose it, you don't get it back anymore. And that's, like I said before, alluded to earlier with uh, Richie, uh, you need to keep those legs racing. Um, training's just not, not enough as you get older.
Absolutely. Thanks for your time. It's been a lovely. Thank you for having us on a lovely terrace. It was great. It was. It was fantastic. What, what, he's a wise old man, Scotty. You definitely are. And you're that wise. Now I'm going to go raid your bar fridge because you've just fixed me up with a duvel. We've fixed up Christoph with a Westmuller triple. I don't think you've realised that's a 9.5% beer. Do you know I what? Just, I'm starting to realise again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dodged that bullet. See, I'm a wise old man. I've been to Belgium a few times. But yeah, I think we'll hit the fridge. Absolutely. Uh, before we need to uh, to mention the SBS Learn and Skoda First Gear, I think it's something you you have been uh, at least involved with. Uh, it's happening in Sydney. Uh, it's going to be on the 13th of July. It's great to see kids and bike. You can go there. It's for, kids can cycle for free. Uh, it's just a great, 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 great initiative from SBS Learn. It, it absolutely is. And as you know, I'm I'm big on grassroots, and I think that's that's where our where we need to really build from the very bottom our sport, whether it's competitive or or recreational so well done to you Skoda and uh, get along kids it's going to be great absolutely uh, you've been listening to the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast remember that you can uh, download stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash cycling central log in a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift until the next podcast which will happen tomorrow because now we're going to start the sales business end of, uh, of the Tour de France uh, next podcast tomorrow you can always remember send your questions via our WhatsApp uh, link look at our, our Twitter account there's all the links over there we'll be so pleased to have your question there until next podcast it's bye for now a quick shout out from our sponsor before we go if you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way hop on Zwift we use it your cycling buddies probably use it and the pros they definitely use it Zwift turned indoor training into a full on gaming experience Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Watopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.